0: Hey y'all! Welcome back as we continue through Hosea, and we are on chapter six today. In the last chapter, reflected on the failures of the leaders of Israel for leading the people of Israel astray, for leading God's children astray. And in this chapter, we're going to go ahead and move into chapter six, verse one, where we have a call and a plea for repentance. Come, let us return to the Lord. He has torn us to pieces. Now he will heal us. He has injured us. Now he will bandage our wounds. In just a short time, he will restore us so that we may live in his presence. Oh, that we may know the Lord. Let, Let us press on to know him. He will respond to us as surely as the arrival of dawn or the coming of rains in the early spring. So here we see they're crying out to God and God has brought correction to them, but are they really being repentive or are they just being remorseful for the judgment that has fallen? We don't see any guilt on themselves. We don't see any saying, I'm sorry, Lord, I blew it. There's nothing of that in these three verses. It's just a crying out to God to rescue them. And their concern isn't really for cleansing as much as it is for healing. They didn't come with broken hearts or surrendered surrendered wills or or repentance at all. They just cry out to God to to help save them. And they wanted happiness, but not holiness. They wanted their circumstances to change, but they don't want to change their characters. And they're treating God like, like a lifeguard. Just pull him out of the oceans, pull him out of the waters, rescue them from danger but they're not asking for deliverance from their sins. And they're they're shedding these tears of remorse over the suffering that they're enduring, but they're not shedding any tears of repentance here for their sins that they've committed against God. They're looking for and expecting a quick fix. And that's not a repentant heart. And that's not a request or desire for deep, deep cleansing. And they need forgiveness and restoration, but they need repentant repentance. They need to to have a heart change to receive that cleansing, and it's really a relational matter. They want they need to get right with God. They need to restore their relationship with God. In our lives as Christ followers, is a relationship with God. And our relationships aren't aren't based on a lifeguard just pulling me out of messes constantly. It's building a relationship and intimacy, getting to know our God more and more. And they're they're trying to throw out these religious words, the things that sound right, the things that that people want to hear, rather than truly changing their hearts and and shedding light on their broken hearts. And it doesn't cost them anything. They're just crying out. They're not willing to change anything. They're just wanting to be rescued and they're not showing any honest humility in turning from their sins and asking God to, to change them and bring healing and cleansing. And with that, we'll go on to verse four. Oh, Israel and Judah, what should I do with you? asks the Lord. For you, for your love vanishes like the morning mist and disappears like dew in the sunlight. I sent my prophets to cut you to pieces, to slaughter you with my words, with judgments and inescapable as light. I want you to show love, not offer sacrifices. I want you to know me more than I want your burnt offerings. But like Adam, you broke my covenant and betrayed my trust. Gilead is a city of sinners, tracked with footprints of blood. Priests form bands of robbers waiting in ambush for their victims. They murder travelers along the road to Shechem and practice every kind of sin. Yes, they have seen something terrible and horrible in Ephraim and Israel. My people are defiled by prostituting themselves with other gods. O Judah, a harvest of punishment is also waiting for you, though I wanted to restore the fortunes of my people." So they have insincere hearts, which is obvious in God's response. They're not truly crying out to God for change. They're crying out for rescue from their situations. And the the true character of of them is revealed. And their devotion to God is temporary. And it vanishes like a morning mist, they said. In a flash of lightning, they turn a a deaf ear. They turn their backs on God again. And they're crying out in a superficial ritual that doesn't, have sincere love or faithful obedience to God at all. They want Him to act on their terms, but not according to the conditions of His covenant, of His terms, of God's terms. And With that, we'll continue into chapter 7, verse 1. I want to heal Israel, but its sins are too great. Samaria is filled with liars. Thieves are on the inside and bandits on the outside. Its people don't realize that I am watching them. Their sinful deeds are all around them, and I see them all. The people entertain the king with their wickedness, and the princes laugh at their lies. They are all adulterers always aflame with lust they are like an oxen that is kept hot while the baker is kneading the dough on royal holidays the princes get drunk with wine carousing with those who mock them their hearts are like an oven blazing with intrigue their plot smolders through the night and in the morning it breaks out like a raging fire burning like an oven they consume their leaders they kill their kings one after another and no one cries to me for help The people of Israel mingle with godless foreigners, making themselves as worthless as half-baked cake. Worshiping foreign gods has sapped their strength, but they don't even know it. Their hair is gray, and they don't realize they're old and weak. Their arrogance testifies against them, yet they don't return to the Lord their God or even try to find them. Or even try to find him, the people of Israel have become like silly, witless doves, first calling to Egypt, then flying to Assyria for help. But as they fly about, I will never or I will throw my net over them and bring them down like a bird from the sky. I will punish them from evil, the evil they do. What sorrow awaits those who have deserted me, Let them die, for they have rebelled against me. I wanted to redeem them, but they have told lies about me. They do not cry out to me with sincere hearts. Instead, they sit on their couches and wail. They cut themselves, begging foreign gods to grain, for grain and new wine, and they turn away from me. I trained them and made them strong, yet now they plot evil against me. They look everywhere except to the Most High. They are as useless as a crooked bow. Their leaders will be killed by their enemies because of their insolence towards me then the people of egypt will laugh at them so he compares it to to drunkenness and adam fell from god he turned from god and he went after what he wanted instead of what god wanted for his life and god promised blessings and we constantly say that's good enough i i i don't need i don't need to follow your terms but then we get in trouble and we cry out to god to save us like like it says they sit on their couch their couches and wail, we sit on our couches and expect God to just work for us without any sacrifice, without any humility, without any change of heart, without submitting and repenting and changing our ways and stepping away from sin and alcohol and sin often go together, and alcohol it weakens them, and it brings them to um not even realize what they're doing. They're they're following all these idols and these false gods and they're turning away from God. And there were so many kings within 13 years, they had five kings of Israel and four were assassinated within 20 years. And they they keep flailing about. He says they're like doves that just flail about back and forth to different false allies, but they don't go to God. They don't cry out to God and let him change them into the eagles he desires them to be. And when it comes to our relationship with God, we must be thorough and his gracious work must permeate our whole entire soul so that our heart, mind, and strength are all devoted to him so he can strengthen us and let us become the eagles he desires us to be. And we can't compromise with the, the world because it leads to unbalanced, immature character that is not devoted to the Lord. And they're mixing with the nations and ignoring God. And we cannot mix with the world and ignore God. We need to trust God, submit to him and let him lead our God- lives wholeheartedly. And by doing this, they're losing their strength. They're losing their strength in God to pride in, in worldly things. And they're they're... Turning corrupt, and they're following the corrupt nations around them. And the leaders didn't listen to the prophets, they refused to listen. So they ended up being invaded by Assyria, and they weren't supposed to enter into political alliances that would compromise their obedience to God. But they did. They turned from God and entered into all these other alliances. They strayed away from God. They rebelled against him, and they lied to him, and they refused to call upon him. And they can't win that type of battle. They can't win in this. You you submit to God and let him lead us, let him guide us, and he will bring us to victory. He is victorious, and he won over the enemy. And we can have that victorious life that is only found in Christ, our Lord and Savior. And if we just have to turn to submit and don't flail around like a dove but soar like an eagle, the eagle that God is creating you to be. Let Him change us. Let Him mold us. Let Him let Him work through our lives to bring us from glory to glory in Him, to continue to grow stronger and stronger in Him. It doesn't mean we're not going to blow it from time to time, but if we do, we get back up, we repent, and we move forward with God. We keep marching forward with God and all that He has for our lives, all that He desires for our lives, and all that He wants to do in and through our lives to expand His glorious kingdom. Thanks, y'all. I hope you're having a most wonderful day.